Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello, I'm Andrew Womack, and welcome to our Wednesday Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. And uh, today I've got a real treat. I've got a very good friend of mine who is actually running for president, and we're going to be interviewing him. I'll announce him a little bit more in just a minute. But real quickly, let me just say that we've got some things coming up. Tomorrow, Dwayne Sheriff, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff, and I will be starting a vision conference. And boy, vision is something that uh, has really been a strong point in my life as well as Dwayne Sheriff. And we're going to be sharing with you. And we've already got uh, well over a thousand people that have signed up for this. I think it's going to be really, really good. So anyway, that starts tomorrow, goes through Saturday. I'd encourage you to check that out and become a part of it. And then we also have a global ministers conference coming up. This is our 40th anniversary of holding these ministers conferences and this will be a global ministers conference. It's going to be a special time. We're going to have one of our uh, theatrical presentations and it's going to really be good. We've also got our uh, truthandliberty.net website and on there we have all kinds of news articles, news feeds. We are linked to other places. It's just a great place to go and connect with other things and I'd encourage you to go check it out, truthandliberty.net. And uh, that would be a real blessing to you. And then also we would like to ask you if this is being a blessing to you uh, to help us. We now have these uh, five live broadcasts per day. And uh, of course there's a lot of effort in that. We've got a lot of people employed doing this. And then we have a conference coming up. Uh, or excuse me, we just had a conference, a Truth and Liberty conference, and it was really, really uh, special. We had a great time. So there's a lot of things going on. And the way that we finance this is we ask people for an automatic withdrawal uh, of $5 or more per month. That'll make you a member of Truth and Liberty. And uh, it'll also give you some emails that we send out. Every Friday we send out an email talking about that the good news. And, you know, there's so much bad news. We talk about the good news and the way that things are winning. And so it's really a positive thing. Go check it out at truthandliberty.net and I believe that you will be blessed. Uh, last thing here, the format is that we go for about 30 minutes here with our guest and then we're going to take a 90 second break and then we'll start taking calls. And so I, this is really going to be powerful today. I think you'll be blessed by it. And the number is 719 uh, six, uh, would they put the number up there? There it is, 719-619-2341. I got too many numbers to remember. And we will be taking calls in about 25 minutes from now when we, right after that first break. But our guest today is Bishop E.W. Jackson. Many of you might know him. He actually was one of the hosts here on Truth and Liberty. I've held a number of meetings with E.W. and I tell you, he's just a great brother. He loves the Lord. And I, I don't think I've ever ministered with E.W. that he hasn't been a, interrupted by standing ovations and applause. I mean, he can just get you wound up and excited. And man, he's just a 
great brother. He's got a lot of things to his resume. He's a pastor of a church. He's had a daily uh, radio program. He uh, is the president of STAND, which is Stand True to America's National Destiny. And he's just got a lot of things going. But now added to his resume, he is now running for president of the United States. So welcome, E.W. We are glad to have you back on Truth and Liberty. Well, Andrew, as always, it's a pleasure and an honor to be with you and to be on Truth and Liberty. So thanks for having me. Well, man, that, you know, there's very, very, very few people that can say that they've ever run for president of the United States. When did you declare this? How did all of this come to pass? Andrew, a lot of prayer, a lot of soul searching, asking God for guidance and direction. You know, over the years, I've had people, particularly on the radio, every week, two or three people say, you ought to run for president. You ought to run for president. And I would just kind of laugh and say, I, you know, I would, but my wife won't let me. It was just kind of a <laughs> running joke. Um, but, you know, I, I really began to hear the voice of God in that, saying this is something that is needed because, Andrew, I'm convinced, and I know you feel the same way, America's greatest need is God. America's Amen. greatest need is a spiritual awakening, a return to the foundational principles of our country, and frankly, I really believe the Lord has called me into this race to give that message because there's just nobody else in the race who is going to say that is my number one issue. Well, you know, I've been aware of you running. You talked to me about it, but I would say that a lot of the people watching this are going to say, well, I hadn't even heard that E.W. was running for president. Uh, how, how is it going on trying to get your campaign out there and as far as some of the major networks acknowledging that you're even running for president? Well, there's good news and bad news, obviously. Um, the good news is, Andrew, that Christians all over the country who find out I'm running are excited. I mean, they're thrilled because they want somebody who has a biblical worldview. I had one couple come up to me when I had spoken and told them, I'm espousing a biblical worldview for America. And they said, you had us at biblical worldview. <laughs> uh, because Christians want to hear that. They know that that's been the basis of our success as a nation. So I've gotten a tremendous response. In fact, I'm headed for Iowa. First thing tomorrow morning, uh, this will be my third or fourth campaign trip to Iowa. Um, I'll be speaking in, South, in North Carolina on Saturday night. I'll be in Illinois um, tomorrow and then Iowa. So, so I'm, I'm having a great response. But the mainstream media, they've gone out of their way to pretend that I'm not really a candidate. And, you know, and I think it, it, it has nothing to do with race or any of that. I think, Andrew, it has to do with the fact that they simply don't want a strong Christian who is espousing godly principle uh, to, to say things like, well, you know, I, I don't hate homosexuals, but homosexuality is sin. Um, that abortion is sin because you're killing an unborn human being. They don't want those kinds of things said, and they know that I'm the kind of candidate who is going to say them, and then, therefore the other candidates are then going to be forced to answer uh, for the things that I end up saying. So it's easier just to try to silence me, but they're not going to be able to do it. As people find out about my campaign and respond, uh, the media is going to be forced to respond as well. So there's other people that uh, are running for president that I've seen on news uh, feeds that they at least acknowledge that they're running. Are there other people that have, you filed all the paperwork, you've, you've been through everything. Are there other people in your position that the news media has just totally panned the way that they have you? 
there is not a single active candidate who has been paying the way I have. Um, not there, I mean, and there, there are candidates in the race that I know will never win the nomination, even if Donald Trump were to drop out. They could never win the nomination because they're out of sync with the base. I mean, remember, there's an evangelical base in the Republican Party, and you can't win the nomination if you don't at least convince that base that you are with them on the issues. And some of these candidates are simply not with the base on the issues of life, of marriage, of gender. Um, they are compromising and diluting their position. Uh, and people just don't want to hear that. So they have no chance at all. I believe that I have a very good chance of doing very well. For example, in Iowa, and yet I'm the candidate, the one candidate that the Republican National Committee and the mainstream media has decided uh, we're going to pretend that he's really not a candidate. Well, that's, that's strange. So do you think that you've got any leverage to see this turn around as you make these appearances? Are you going to get to where they have to acknowledge you? Well, I would encourage uh, all of your viewers today um, who know the situation, when you see candidates being listed, somebody, somebody told me, for example, about an event that happened uh, recently um, in Washington, D.C., where they listed out the candidates and did not, not list me, and they said, I wrote a letter to these folks uh, and asked them, well, how is it that you are not even including E.W. Jackson as if he's not a filed uh, and announced candidate because he is. I mean, what's, what's the basis for that? And, and to tell you the truth, Andrew, other than politics and people have their own agenda and, and they're afraid I'm going to rock the boat or something, um, I, I don't really have a full explanation because nobody's explained it to me. They can't say I'm not an official candidate. I am. They can't say I'm not a Republican. I have been for four, over 40 years. So I don't know what their explanation would be. But I asked uh, at this group, uh, that I went to a meeting in Iowa, a big meeting uh, in Iowa, uh, by the Faith and Freedom Coalition and asked them to at least an announce that I was in the room, let people know uh, it was like catching a deer in the headlights. It was, uh, we'll work on that. But you know what? They never even acknowledged me as a candidate. So something is going on. I'm not sure I know quite what, but God knows, and I'm sure that he's going to open the door that no one can close. Well, we'll give this multiple times during this program, but right now, if somebody's interested and wants, I'm sure you have a website and they, they're interested in seeing what's going on, how they could help, uh, give them how they could contact you. Sure. Very simple. EWJacksonForPresident.com. EWJacksonForPresident.com. And Andrew, you, you know me well enough to know, I, I, I hate even having the appearance of self-serving, because I always, being self-serving, because I always say, when it becomes about you, you are in trouble. Um, so it, it, it always has to be about God and about the cause. But just to give you an example, I went to an event uh, in Iowa. There were several other candidates there. Um, we were interviewed. They all interviewed, and, and uh, the audience responded with polite applause. In an interview, I ended up, getting three standing ovations during an interview. <laughs> and, and I think it's the kind of thing that does tend to rock the boat because people were coming up saying, I didn't know you were running, but thank God for you. I had one yeah. guy say, man, all these politicians are saying all these political things. You stood up and just told the truth and it was like refreshing. It was, it was like a shower. So. I think that's the problem, that they know I'm going to be a truth teller, not a politician. And uh, that's what people, I think, are looking for. 
And when they hear that, it gets overwhelming support. Okay, they put up a little thing on the lower third when you gave your website, and it said EWJacksonForAmerica.com. You said EWJacksonForPresident.com. Is that the correct right, one? Right, EWJacksonForPresident.com. Okay, yes, so if my staff will correct that and make that uh, correction, we don't want to send people someplace they can't get a hold of you. All right, so we've got 16 minutes before we take a break. Just tell us what your agenda is, and here you are. We've given you a platform. What, what has God put on your heart, E.W.? Well, the number one thing, Andrews, America must come back to God. Our founding fathers, in my view, laid down not only a political marker and a legal marker, but a spiritual marker when they said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by our Creator with unalienable rights. To me, they were saying, culturally, we are a nation that acknowledges that liberty and rights come from Almighty God. And if that's where those liberty and that liberty and rights come from, that means we are all accountable to him, including our government, whose job it is to secure the liberty and rights that God has given us. I mean, that's, you know, that's not just a secular political statement. That's a spiritual statement. And, and we got to come back to that as the founding principle of our nation, because if we don't, we're going to lose our way. And we're, and you see it's happening all the time with, with people thinking they can tell children that your gender is not real and you can change genders and trying to get to kindergarten kids and do this stuff. And, and, and the, the, the crime that's running rampant in the streets, telling people it's okay to steal as long as you don't steal more than a thousand dollars worth of goods, we won't pay any attention to it. I mean, Jesus said, iniquity or lawlessness would abound, the love of many would grow cold, and we're witnessing before our, witnessing it before our very eyes. So that's my number one issue. And then the second is family, that we've got to come back to family as God designed it, because to me, it's the foundational institution for any healthy society. And our foundation is crumbling in that sense, because uh, as you know, the black family has been decimated by the policies of the Great Society program and the welfare spending that incentivized men to leave the home, incentivized women to have more children and get paid more by the government for it. And it's created a devastating impact on the inner cities. And then third, but certainly, uh, and there are many more, but the Constitution. Coming back to the Constitution, uh, we are supposed to be a government of limited and enumerated powers. I never cease to be amazed at the things our government does. And the question that comes to mind is, where is the authority to do that? I mean, where, how in the world? You know, we send, Andrew, literally billions of dollars overseas to promote the LGBTQ agenda. Our yeah. government does. Where's the constitutional authority for that? It doesn't exist. We've got to come back to the Constitution and the limited powers of government. Well, let me ask you about, you know, it seems like that race separation has even gotten worse in our country lately. I believe it started with Obama. I think he made things worse. And you, you're part of a minority, and I've heard you speak on this, but I think our viewers would really like to know what you think about the race situation in the United States. Where do we stand? Where, how do we fix it? Well, Andrew, of course, the, the main slander against our country, and by the way, I'm sure um, your viewers know New York City right now is contemplating removing all the statues of George Washington yeah. in New York because, quote unquote, he 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 was a slave. He owned human beings. He was a slave owner. Yeah. What I tell people is this human sin has produced many injustices throughout human history. 
Slavery is one of them, and it's been universal. It wasn't created by George Washington. Right. It wasn't created by Europeans. It's existed all over the world, and it was never racial. Race was just another patina to put on it to justify it, but the Romans enslaved the Greeks. They were all yeah. of the same demographic background. Africans enslaved Africans. Asians enslaved Afri Asians, and so on. So it's not the skin, it's the sin. Yeah. And so we've got to look at our country in the context of world history. No other country declared as a matter of constitutional law that the involuntary servitude of another human being is morally and legally wrong. So we are, we are leaders in the pioneer and the effort to, to, to advance human decency and integrity and, and, and honor and dignity. Um, and so we're not a white supremacist country or a systemically racist country. The fact of the matter is, my life is a testament to this, Andrew. You know my background. Born into a broken home, raised in foster care and poverty. My foster parents were, were illiterate, literally illiterate, could not read or write. My dad took over my life at 10, taught me some discipline and some vision and the great country I live in. I ended up joining the Marine Corps, graduating from college, summa cum laude, going on to Harvard Law School, practicing law for many years. And I come from illiteracy and my father had a sixth grade education. That's what's possible in America. Why wasn't I held back? I'm black. Why, why did the doors of opportunity open for me? Because they were always there for those who were willing to open their hearts and their minds to take advantage of what God had provided. And I'm not saying we haven't made mistakes in the area of race as a country, but we've made a whole lot of progress and we ought to be celebrating that instead of constantly dredging up the past as if we're still living in it. I believe that uh, our audience would be giving you a standing ovation right now if, if they were present. That's one of the reasons I think they haven't given you a voice because you don't fit the, the narrative. You don't fit the profile of an angry black man who's just complaining about how everything's gone. Did you know that George Washington and George Mason petitioned the uh, King of England in the 1760s to end slavery? but it was against the law. You couldn't get rid of your slaves. So yes, they were slaveholders, but it was a universal thing. Like you said, they inherited it and people have really changed our history. How do you feel about all of the rewrite of all of the history in the 1619 project, et cetera? Well, in a word, Andrew, it's following the blueprint of communism. It's following the blueprint of Karl Marx. In order to change the way people think, you must change their history. You must lie about it. You must give them a different view of what history is. I mean, we all know how Stalin would change pictures from the past and change stories about the past in order to control the way people thought. And the same thing is happening today. I mean, we're literally brainwashing our young people to hate our country. And Andrew, it really breaks my heart because there is no greater place on earth to live. And again, I know we're not a perfect country because we're not perfect people, but there's no greater place on earth to live than the United States of America. That's why we've got a problem at our southern and northern borders, because people know that if they can get here, they can have opportunities that they can't have anywhere else in the world. And we've got to, you know, you can't drive a car looking in the rearview mirror. 
<laughs> where there is no right. vision the people perish involves, I mean, it suggests you've got to be looking ahead to something positive rather than looking back at something negative if you want to have a positive future. And so that's what I encourage people to do. Look ahead for the future of this country. That's why I'm running, Andrew, because I want America to have a secure and prosperous and blessed future. And the scripture gives the formula. It says in Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. I believe that describes us. So where do you stand, D.W., on like the borders? You mentioned that. Where do you stand on all of this stuff? Well, the fact of the matter is, Andrew, I'm the most conservative candidate in this election. I really am. I'm more conservative on the border than any other candidate because I really believe that if you don't have a secure border, you don't have a sovereign nation. Therefore, I would finish building the wall. I would add whatever technology is necessary to monitor every dimension of that wall. And then I would add this, two other things that no other candidate has mentioned. Zero tolerance for illegal immigration. In other words, if you come into our country illegally, you are forever banned from being a citizen. See, mm -hmm. part of what the game that's being played is that, well, yeah, we say, you know, you're not supposed to come illegally, but once you get here, it's a wink and a nod, and eventually, yeah, you know, everybody will be made a citizen. So basically, our immigration laws mean nothing. I would say, if you come illegally, I would ask Congress to pass a law you are forever banned from becoming an American citizen. If you want to be an American citizen, come legally. Otherwise, you'll never be an American citizen. The second thing is, I would ask for a constitutional amendment. It's on my website that says, if you have a baby in America, that baby is not an American citizen unless one biological parent is an American citizen. Because right now we're being taken advantage of by the cartels, by communist China, by sending women into our country, literally, Andrew, they got these anchor programs. You send women in who are pregnant, you let them stay long enough to have a baby. Now you've got an American citizen that's leveraged, not only for a family or for a group, but leverage later maybe even for espionage and for undermining American national security. We've got to stop it. Man, I hadn't heard anybody say those things, E.W. That's really good. Uh, what would you do with the people that are already here, the millions of illegal aliens that are being shipped all over the country? How would you handle that? Well, I think we've got to say, number one, you're never going to be a citizen of this country if you're here illegally. Uh, I would say, number two, that we would, I would fully staff ICE, and I would change federal law. As you know, many states now are literally rebelling against federal law, refusing to implement it and cooperate with it, and refusing to even allow ICE to know when they've captured a criminal who's an illegal alien. They won't even let ICE know they've got the person in custody. And I would, would deputize. Uh, every law enforcement officer when it comes to illegal immigration as a national security matter. And I would say, if you catch an illegal immigrant, they're committing crimes, they're doing things, they must be turned over to ICE for deportation, and the failure to do so would be a crime. So basically, I, I'm not saying it's practical for us to try to go round up all the illegal immigrants, but I'd say we have a policy that is so tough and so serious that people would start to self-deport because they would know you're never going to be able to rest again because they're not going to ignore you. They're going to keep looking for you until they find you and deport you from our country. Okay, so let me ask you about uh, like the equal rights 
uh, stuff that they're trying to push, men competing in women's sports and transgender and all this kind of stuff. Where do you stand on that, E.W.? Well, the Bible speaks very plainly, doesn't it? Jesus said in the beginning, God made them male and female. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Andrew, that settles the matter. Uh, I propose a constitutional amendment. This is also on my website that defines gender as male and female. And people may say, well, but you know, the American people won't go for a constitutional amendment. I think the American people understand now if we don't do that, we're going to be harassed forever because you're going to be told, oh, you don't want to bake a transgender cake? You don't want to uh, uh, take, a, take photographs of a transgender ceremony? Well, we're going to sue you for violating our civil rights. And the, the Supreme Court, unfortunately, has made the wrong decision in Obergefell on this. And I would say a constitutional amendment would say, look, you can still live however you want to live, but you can't impose it on the rest of us. You can't tell people you're going to be fired from your job because you use the wrong pronoun. You can't say we're going to teach your child that he's the wrong gender, she's the wrong gender, whether you parents like it or not, because we're going to, we're going to protect that child from parents violating that child's uh, constitutional rights. All of that would be out the window with a constitutional amendment. And then people could go on freely living however they want to live, but they can't harass the rest of us with that gender ideology that they're now imposing on the entire society. Man, and the same, by the, way, by the way, Andrew, I'd also add, I want a constitutional <laughs> amendment that, that, that defines marriage as a union between one man and one woman as well. Amen, man, that's awesome. So let me ask you this about, um, about finances and stuff and the uh, national debt and the spending and all of the welfare and stuff. Uh, what's your input on that? Well, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about a, a constitution of limited, a government of limited and enumerated powers. The reason why we're spending so much money is we're doing things that we've really got no business doing whatsoever. There's no constitutional authority for it. Uh, the, the things that the Biden administration has done, uh, the regulations that they, are, they have imposed. You remember, um, he said at one point, having imposed a rental moratorium, he said, well, I know it's probably not constitutional, but I'm going to do it anyway. And by the time they figure it out, you know, they won't be able, it, it'll be too late. Uh, Governor Murphy of Jersey, when they, he was asked about the things he was doing during COVID, and they said, well, is this constitutional? He said, well, that's above my pay grade. Government is doing all kinds of things it has no authority to do. And so I would go in, for example, I would close down every diversity, equity, and inclusion office in the government and the military on day one. I would shutter them. You either find a new place to work within that agency or you quit or you can be fired, but you're not going to spend time wasting time trying to divide us along racial lines, along uh, gender lines, and all this stuff that they're doing. I would get rid of all that. I would sunset, I would end every regulation that Biden has passed, because I think all of his regulations, including those that have, have taken from us the energy independence that we had several years ago, and once again, made us a net importer nation for energy rather than the next net exporter nation. And you start doing these things, you're going to bring down the cost of government and the cost of living for every American. And then I would look ahead. Look, I, I am willing to consider a constitutional amendment for a balanced budget because I think we're going to spend ourselves into oblivion yeah. if we don't stop spending money we don't have and borrowing money from communist China, of all places, in order to finance 
the lavish government that we've now developed in our country. Man, that's awesome, E.W. I got a lot more questions for you here. We're just about <laughs> out of this first 30 second. I tell you okay. what, I may, I may uh, take some prerogative here on the other side of this break and just continue to ask you because I think that, man, these statements that you're making are awesome. So let's take a little break here and uh, we're gonna just take a 90 second break and we'll be back. We do have some open lines, 719-619-2341, and we'll be taking questions here in just a little bit right after this break. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're gonna learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Okay, we're back from the break. We're here with Bishop E.W. Jackson, and uh, he's a great friend. He's been a host here on Truth and Liberty, but when he started running for president, he uh, ended his radio show. He also uh, ended being a host here on Truth and Liberty, but man, uh, just during this first segment, we've been asking all kinds of questions. I love your answers, E.W. It's just, man... Wonderful. Let me ask a couple more questions. I know we're supposed to take some calls and we do have some people here lined up, but let me ask you about education and all of the woke stuff, the uh, fact that they're forbidding uh, teachers to notify parents. They're making them use the preferred pronouns for people who are transgender or whatever. And what's your stance on the education in America and, and what's the solution? Well, you know, I, I would say two things. Number one, we've got to establish universal educational choice in America so that parents are not stuck in these schools that are nothing more now than indoctrination camps. Look, Andrew, our children can't read at grade level. 87% uh, of black children who graduate from high school are reading at an eighth grade level or below. Uh, we are at the bottom of the barrel now in math, science, engineering which is why we are importing all of these people from foreign countries, because we're no longer teaching our children. Remember, math is now racist, apparently. Science mm. is racist. So we got to lower the standards in order to address the inequities. I mean, this stuff is, it's societal suicide. So parents need to be able to opt out. I think the resources ought to follow the child. And I would 
close up the Department of Education Amen. and establish a commission on educational choice to help facilitate every state that wants to establish school choice, help them, guide them, give them advice, give them counsel, and try to create opportunities in our tax code that would give people tax credits, tax deductions for helping young people go to the school of their parents' choice rather than being stuck in these government schools. But the other thing, Andrew, I really believe we've got to take a hard look at charging these people who are grooming children, using children for their own sexual, ideological, and, and, and gratification ideas, uh, and, and charge these people with child abuse. Charge them with child sexual exploitation. Because in my view, when you show a child, a prepubescent child, pornographic literature of homosexual sex acts, that is an abuse of that child. And you ought to be put in prison for it, in my view. I mean, we've got to stop coddling these people and playing these games and acting like this is somehow some enlightened view of life. This is nothing different than what was going on in ancient Greece when it was thought that elites could use young boys for their pleasure because it was good for the child and good for the elite. No, it was an abomination in the sight of God, and that's what's happening in many of our schools today. And as President of the United States, I would charge the Justice Department with putting a stop to it. Amen. Man, I love that. Uh, you've already briefly touched on this, but how about energy? You mentioned that, and climate change. Where do you stand on all of this? Well, Andrew, I guess it doesn't matter because, you know, the world is going to end in about eight years now <laughs> as a result According of, to the, of the climate apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, you know, but see, Andrew, that's why I say we've got to come back to God because the people who believe that do not believe in God. They do not believe that God made the earth, that it is a resilient uh, uh, object that he made for us to live on. It is not fragile. Driving our trucks and SUVs is not going to cause the earth to spin out of orbit. Uh, but these folks would have even children scared out of their wits, Andrew, over the end of the world because we fly airplanes or we drive SUVs. I think every American wants clean air, wants clean water. I mean, look, you live in Colorado. It is beautiful out there. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody who doesn't want that beauty preserved. But we don't worship the earth. The earth is ours and we are stewards of it. God has given it to us to be stewards of. And our job is to do that with wisdom, understanding that we also live here. And we are not interlopers, by the way. We are not, the, the left treats people like somehow we're the problem. And if you just get people out of the way, <laughs> the world would be just a great place. The fact of the matter is God made the earth for us, not us for the earth. And so I would do away with the Department of Environmental Protection. I would create a, a Department of Environmental Stewardship to educate people and help people figure out how best to treat their environment kindly and to treat it in a way that preserves our, our, our open spaces and, and preserves the, the cleanliness of our environment. But, but stop all this stuff of persecuting people. I mean, I've had friends, Andrew, who have almost gone bankrupt because the EPA went after them over some pond on their property that they said, that's a wetland and you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you violated this. And they're tied up in litigation sometimes for years. I'd put a stop to that. And, uh, and look, all of the coal, the oil, 
the natural gas that God has put in the ground for our country, for this continent, we ought to be using, use it wisely, use it as cleanly as we can, but we ought to be using that. And in my view, we ought to be using nuclear energy as well, which is now proven to be safe and is one of the cleanest forms of energy we can find. Man, that's awesome, E.W. I bet you there's some people uh, clapping and praising God for that. All right, so I know that it takes money to run for president, and you have to buy airtime and ads and things like this. How would a person support you if they wanted to? And what's your situation? Do you have enough money? Uh, we, we, we know we do not have enough. <laughs> no, Nobody we running have for enough. office has enough, do they? That, that's exactly right. I don't think anybody does. But look, you're right. It takes a lot of money just to travel, um, the hotel space, the, 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 the movements, the car rentals, everything that goes into it, the staffing that you have to pay for. Uh, we've got what we call a 20-20-20 pathway to victory. We're asking people to pray for me 20 minutes a week, three minutes a day to include me and my campaign in your prayers, asking God to lead us, to guide us, to direct us, to bless us, to help us. Um, number two, give $20.24, and we say, but if you can do better than that, you can make it $200.24 or $224 or $2,024, but to, it's symbolic of 2024. Andrew, if we got a million Americans to give $20.24, we'd have $20 million to run this campaign, and we could run it as a first-rate operation. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing we're asking everybody, talk to at least 20 people. If you can't talk to 20, talk to 5 or 10 or 15, but maybe you have an email list. Maybe you've got a group that you're a part of. Maybe you can talk to 50 or 100 or 1,000, uh, but talk to people because we need people to really be our media in a sense. Since the mainstream media won't do it yet, uh, people can do it for us by constantly reminding people, hey, there's a candidate in the race who's espousing a biblical worldview and is asking us to come back to God and to put God first in our nation. So, E.W., you mentioned people giving as much as like $2,000 or something to your campaign. Are there limits on an individual, how much they can contribute? One individual can give a maximum of $3,300. A married couple can give together a maximum of $6,600 to a campaign, and that's for the primary. Uh, then you can do that again for the general election once the primary is settled. But right now, the maximum is $6,600 per couple, per married couple, $3,300 per person. Okay, let's go to the phones, and we have, um, let's go to Gladys first. She's got a question about Theodora, which is EW's wife. So, uh, <laughs> Gladys, you are an AWMI and Truth and Liberty partner from Georgia. Welcome to Truth and Liberty Live Call-In Show. Good evening, Brother Andrew. How are you? I am blessed. How about you, Gladys? I am blessed and highly favored. Good evening, Bishop Jackson. Good to have you back on Truth and Liberty. Thank you, Gladys. Glad to be back on. All right. I just wanted to know, like, your, your, what, the, what is the future First Lady? What will be her plan for this country, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you know, my wife, uh, thank you for the question, Gladys. Uh, my wife has a passion for education. God has called us to start a school. Uh, it's called the Maximum Potential Christian Academy. And I think that if my wife were first lady, she would make school choice and supporting private and Christian schools 
that are going to espouse a biblical worldview and that are going to teach the true history of our country as opposed to the skewed, perverted history that our children are being indoctrinated with. And so I'm sure that that would be a top priority for her. I've tried to get her interested in decorating the right White House according to her own taste. And she said, well, that, that's, that's the least of my concerns right now. So, mm-hmm. but, but maybe once she became first lady, she would get some joy out of that because she certainly does enjoy decorating our house. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for your call, Gladys. Let's go to Elizabeth in Missouri. And you're on Truth and Liberty with Bishop E.W. Jackson running for president and Andrew Womack, who's just holding down the fort here in Colorado. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking my call. And Bishop uh, Jackson, I wanted to say I agree with you a thousand percent on the absurdity of the education system and the climate change that is saving spiders and killing people. Mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to say that. But my question is, is it legal for a non citizen to vote? in America if they own land? Uh, The answer is, on federal elections, absolutely not. But um, what is happening is, and I think it should be illegal for any non-citizen to vote in any election, but in Washington state, in California, in Vermont, and maybe some other states around the country, in Illinois, for example. In Illinois, as you know, they're, they're now hiring illegal immigrants as police officers. So mm-hmm. I think that there should be things that are off limits, and voting is one of them. So they cannot vote in, in, in federal elections, but some states are passing what I consider to be unconstitutional legislation to allow illegal immigrants to vote in state and local elections. This recent, I think it's New York City, that recently said when you uh, get a driver's license, which illegal immigrants can get, you are automatically registered to vote, which means they're registering illegal immigrants to vote. And that, in my view, is against the spirit and the letter of the Constitution, and it ought to be stopped. Very good. All right, we got time here. Let's go to Mitchell in uh, Tennessee. And Mitchell, you're on Truth and Liberty with Bishop E.W. Jackson and Andrew Womack. Good evening, uh, Bishop uh, Jackson and Andrew Womack. I've, I've never talked to you before, and I, I definitely hope you run for president. I have to tell my mom and my family I got to speak with you. That'll be a treat, you know? That's great. Well, thank you. Yes, sir. I hope you get it. I believe you will. Um, my question is witchcraft, okay? I don't talk to the woman on the chat line. I stay away from over there because it's bad. But there's a woman that goes on a chat line. She does witchcraft, and she has a Facebook blog, and her life is just nothing but a tornado. My question is, can a person that's doing witchcraft, can it, can it involve the police eventually? Can they, can they get real delusional and hallucinate and start doing really crazy things? Well, you know, Andrew may want to take that one. But look, in my view, when you turn yourself over to the devil, uh, there's no limit to the depth of depravity and wickedness to which you can descend. Now, in our country... It's not illegal to be a witch. It's not illegal to be a Satan worshiper uh, because you have the freedom to do that. But it is illegal to take those things and then use them to harm other people. Yeah, we don't want to go back to the Salem witch trials, but at the same time, they can't use that as an excuse to murder people, to do human sacrifice, to do things that violate the law. 
Uh, mm -hmm. Bishop Jackson, this brings up another question. I watched the first presidential debate a little bit. I couldn't handle the fact that they were screaming over each other and interrupting, and I, I just couldn't handle that, so I quit. But one of the things that came up was about would they support a federal constitutional like a law about abortion and I think I may get this wrong, so I won't mention the name, but one of them said that no, that's kicked back to the states. It's up to the individual states. Another person said, no, this is uh, murder and that it ought to be a federal uh, law or constitutional thing against it. Where would you stand on that? Well, as I've said, Andrew, if you, people should go to my website, ewjacksonforpresident.com, uh, under the life issue, they will see my proposed constitutional amendment, which defines life and personhood at conception, which is beyond the federal law. That would mean you couldn't pass any law then that would allow abortion. You couldn't pass any law that would say abortion is okay. You couldn't pass it at the state, the local, or the federal level because it would be the supreme law of the land that that conceived child is a person entitled to all the protections that any other person has. So that's where I come down on it. I think these people are trying to thread the needle and trying to make everybody happy. What that tells us is they're not true leaders. They're actually followers. And if they're willing to compromise on that and they claim to be pro-life, what else are they willing to compromise on? I think we got to make the case to the American people that, look, you and I were once conceived and we were all minuscule, almost microscopic, but it was the blueprint for everything we have become. And so we can't deny that. To deny that is to deny that we are made in the image and likeness of God and that God knows us from the moment of conception. Well, Bishop, this leads me to asking about Trump recently came out and basically said that he would not support a ban on abortion all the way to conception, that he would put a limit on it. I think it was 15 weeks or something like that. And that violates what you're talking about right there. What's your take on that? Well, look, if we're going to be a godly nation, righteousness exalts a nation, sin is a reproach to any people. In other words, if you, and that word reproach, as I understand it in scripture, is a word that means it brings you down. It, 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 it lays you low. It, it brings about your destruction. If, if we're going to be a righteous nation that God exalts, we've got to protect the least of these. And you know, there's no, no one more vulnerable than an unborn baby. And so this is the difference, though, and not just to pick on Donald Trump, but between a politician and a statesman, because a politician tries to figure out what they think people want. And a statesman, I believe, tries to figure out what is right, what is good, what is best, and then makes the case to people that this is the way we ought to go. And I think that's the kind of leadership we need if we're going to have a bright future for our country. Man, that is very well put. Let me say that we've got some lines open, 719-619-2341, if you'd like to call and ask Bishop Jackson a question. Uh, Bishop, you've also written some books. Could you advertise those books in case people want to read and get more understanding of what you've done? Absolutely. Um, I, I, again, forgive me for making this point, but it needs to be made. Yeah, this, this, this black kid 
from a broken home and foster care has written three books. How in the world could that happen in this racist country? It happened because I sat down and actually put forth the effort and the discipline to get it done. And I didn't have anybody saying, oh, no, you can't you can't publish a book. You're a black man. I mean, but this is the lie that's being sold. And you're right, Andrew. I've written three books. I'm hoping to write a few more. Uh, I don't think I'll ever catch up with you. (laughs) But but I'm I'm hoping to write a few more. Uh, My last book, A Sweet Land of Liberty, Reflections of a Patriot Descended from Slaves. I think people can see it on screen now. Uh, But that's a book which is an homage to God and to my country uh, as a place of liberty, a place that allows someone like me to do the things that I've done coming from Uh, Like I said, an illiterate foster home, uh, a father with a sixth grade education, but I've been able to experience the very best this nation has to offer. And so I I would just say thank God for that and encourage people. If you want my book, you can go to my website. It's here on the screen behind me, standamerica.us, standamerica.us, where you can get it wherever books are sold. In fact, all three books are available wherever books are sold. One is called... Ten Commandments to, uh, to an Extraordinary Life, and the others as a sort of a sequel to it, 12 Principles to Make Your Life Extraordinary. Okay, we're going to be going and uh, taking some more calls here in just a second. There's some lines open, 719-619-2341, if you want to talk to Bishop Jackson. Uh, before we do that, let's, uh, let me ask you about uh, the military and how that they're pushing this woke agenda. And what do you think that the status of our military is? Are we strong? Are we weak? Are we moving in the right direction? What's happening? Well, as you know, Andrew, I know you served in the military. Thank you for your service, brother. And and I did too. Um, You actually went to Vietnam. I joined in 1970 never got orders to Vietnam, even though I thought I was going to. So I'm a Vietnam-era veteran, but I never saw combat. I think they're destroying our military. I really do. I I think it's being undermined from within. Uh, And I'm sure you just heard uh, 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 a Marine Corps helicopter went down recently. We're seeing an uptick in all kinds of accidents and problems in the military because they're busy focusing on transgenderism and race. They've got these diversity, equity, and inclusion offices in the military that are taking up valuable time that should be used for training and development. They're having a recruitment problem because who wants to join a military in which you got to be brainwashed to think a certain way? And I know I have church members in the military, and they come to me and tell me, yeah, we had this big seminar, and the whole thing was about how we're supposed to think about homosexuality and transgenderism. In other words, cast aside the word of God, cast aside your faith in Jesus Christ, and obey us and listen to us. That's not what the military is about. The military is about defending our national security and sovereignty and the well-being of the American people against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that, that's the oath I took, Andrew, the oath you took. That's what the military should be about. If I were president, as I said before, I'd close every diversity, equity, and inclusion office in the military, and I would set the military on a path to do one thing, fulfill the mission of defending the United States of America. That's it. That's all. There's no color in the military except the color of your uniform. And that's all that matters in carrying out the mission that you've been given. I I think it's just terrible what we're doing to our military right now. And I would bring an immediate halt to it. 
So what would you be your uh, take on the Ukraine and the U.S. supporting them and things like that? How, how would you handle that? You know, this, this divides even conservatives, but this is where I come down on it, Andrew. I cannot justify, Biden is asking for $25 billion to go to Ukraine now. I cannot justify spending $25 billion on Ukraine's borders and Ukraine's sovereignty and Ukraine's security when my visit to the border showed me that the border agents are completely demoralized. They can't do their job. They're understaffed by thousands. I think they're their usual full coterie is about 26,000. I think they're down to about 19,000 agents. So they're about 7,000 short. And it's making them unsafe when they're, if, they, if they manage to even get a chance to do their job of holding fast uh, to closing the border. Uh, but more importantly, they're not even being allowed to do that job. So they're demoralized. Uh, we, we've got to take care of our own business first. That's number one. But number two, I mean, I don't know whether all of your viewers saw this. This just broke, I think, today or maybe yesterday. This transgender who's gone over to Ukraine and is now lecturing the American people about how important it is to back Zelensky. We now know that he's got an American journalist in jail over there. I'm thinking, why are we spending billions of dollars on someone who may be just a smaller version of Putin? I mean, I think we need to focus on our own national security interests. And where we see a, something is really a threat to us, fine. Then we, we act. We pull out all the stops. But what we're doing right now, in my view, is propping up uh, a, a, just another dictatorship, and which, by the way, a, another country where Biden's family got quite a few payments uh, through Hunter Biden. So it, it's also fishy on that level. All right, let's go to Alex. He's from Colorado, and you are on Truth and Liberty Live. Call in with Bishop Jackson and Andrew. Hey, Andrew and Bishop Jackson. How are you today? We are blessed. Fine, Alex. Thank Amen. you. Amen. So I was wondering, Bishop Jackson, if you're elected, what are you going to do about the deep state? Well, I've got some good plans for the deep state. Um, one of the things I want to do, and I, I really owe this to the people of Virginia, too. You know, Virginia has been perverted by all of these leftists who work for the federal government who have poured into Northern Virginia and completely changed the politics of our state. So my view is that your agency ought to be where it's needed. And so why, why do we have thousands of workers from the Department of Tier, the Interior in Washington, D.C.? Go out into the interior. Let's disperse all these agents around the country where they can live under the rules and the regulations that they're passing for the American people. So that would be number one. But number two, as I've said before, I would do away with many of these agencies. I think the Department of Environmental Protection is nothing but a boondoggle. The Department of Education is nothing but a boondoggle. And there are probably a number of other agencies that are really just wasting taxpayer money, doing nothing but propping up bureaucrats. And remember, their primary role becomes maintaining their own positions and their own agencies rather than advancing the interests of the American people. So I would take a, a very close audit of every agency and ask the question, do we even need this? I've given you two instances. I'm sure there are some others. And we would simply close them down, shutter them completely.
Man, E.W., I can certainly see why you aren't getting a lot of airplay. <laughs> You're saying some things that are pretty radical, but I think it's, I think it's great. I really do. All right, right before the break, uh, we still got some lines open, 719-619-2341, but we're going to take a break. But right before we go there, let's go to Tim in Wisconsin. You're on Truth and Liberty with uh, Bishop E.W. Jackson and Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Hello. How are you doing today? Hi, Tim. Uh, my question is... Um, um, Andrew, you have said many times, I've heard you say many times, that you feel like President Trump has been the best, best president in your lifetime. And I agree. I've been a Trump guy since 2016. And, but Bishop E.W., my question is, um, what are some things that you feel like President Trump did right, and how would you improve on it, take it further than he did? Um, and also, what are some things you feel like he did wrong that you want to do different? Well, well, the first thing that comes to mind that he did right was he got the economy humming. I mean, we had one of the best economies we've ever had in our country's history. And by the way, it's important to point out that while the left is constantly talking about injustices against blacks and Hispanics, we had the, one of the, we had the lowest unemployment rate among black citizens since we've been keeping records, among Hispanic citizens since we've been keeping records, among women, I think in about 40 or 50 years. So this, it was an economy that was benefiting everybody, including those we might consider to have been at the bottom of the barrel, um, either based on economics or race or what have you. So, I mean, you've got to give him. I've said, look, we owe a great debt of gratitude to him. Second thing he did right was he appointed some very conservative Supreme Court justices. Now, they, the, the ones he appointed haven't gotten everything right because we did get Obergefell from this new court. Uh, which I wish they, they decided differently. But nevertheless, they have been a whole lot better than if we'd had three justices appointed by a leftist. And uh, so that's another thing that he did right. And, and look, I believe that President Trump also, by lowering regulations and, and, and pursuing policies to create energy independence, allowed us to, to have an economy that was just, I mean, it was just sailing along. So kudos to him. And, and I'm not going to play political games because he and I are running for the same nomination and pretend that, well, everything he did was wrong. It was not. He did a whole lot of stuff right. But let me tell you one of the big mistakes that he made. He made a big mistake elevating Anthony Fauci, a big mistake. Uh, Anthony Fauci turned out to be, in my view, uh, one of the worst things that ever happened to this country. Um, and. And frankly, from my perspective, Anthony Fauci is responsible for a whole lot of people dying that didn't have to die. Amen. Because I think he was busy trying to satisfy China, trying to uh, solidify his own position and uh, placating all the leftist media uh, that saving the lives of the American people became unimportant to him. So, for example, he denounced hydroxychloroquine. He denounced ivermectin. He... He, he had no interest in any of the therapeutics that many reputable doctors were saying were worth pursuing, worth considering. And, and President Trump just didn't seem to have a handle on just how destructive Anthony Fauci was in the process. So in my view, that's one of the big mistakes he made. 
I'll tell you the other one is not so much substantive, but style. And I don't think he'll ever be able to change his style because I think it's just baked in the cake right now. It would take a move of God in his life. But I think the president simply spent too much time on people that didn't deserve his time and attention. I mean, warring with everybody. And either you go along with everything he said or you're a traitor and you're, I mean, you know, Ronald Reagan had the attitude that if we're in agreement on 80%, <laughs> you know, that we're 80% friends, not enemies. And, uh, and, and always tried to treat people with graciousness um, and with, with, with honor and with respect. And yet he was strong. He was a strong president. I think President Trump could have learned a lot from Ronald Reagan's approach to dealing with people. And frankly, I think it's one of the reasons why so many people are out to get him right now. I mean, partly, of course, it's policy, but I think all, it's also partly style that, you know, he just fighting over things he shouldn't be fighting over. And by the way, and I say this as someone who has a lot of respect for him and definitely supported his first presidency. And I mean, he may he may end up getting a second one. Uh, I, I hope he'll do better in some of the areas where I think he, he, he could do a lot better. Very good, Bishop. All right, let's take a break. We still got some open lines, uh, 719-619-2341. We're going to take a 90-second break, but we'll be back and take your calls on the other side. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Okay, we're back on Truth and Liberty Live call-in show with Bishop E.W. Jackson. He's running for President of the United States, and basically we've just been grilling him on his opinion for an hour, and he's done a great job. Man, I, I love it. Uh, so we still got some open lines, 719-619-2341, and we'd love to have you call. You're welcome to ask me or Bishop a question. Uh, you mentioned right before the break, Bishop Jackson, about uh, uh, one of uh, Trump's mistakes was putting Fauci in the position that he did, and I agree 100%. And I know people that died because of that redemisphere, and they would have been healed through hydrochloroquine or uh, ivermectin and stuff. So I agree. But now there's some people that are talking about that COVID is just going to be with us like the flu. And I read about a hospital that is now reinstating the mandate that you have to wear masks. 
and stuff like that. Supposing that another epidemic or pandemic happens similar to what we saw in 2020, what would you do with that? See, I, I think, Andrew, it is unconstitutional for the federal government to do what it did, which is to effectively try to mandate masking and mandate a bunch of things. Now, the way he, uh, Biden was very slick about it, he tried to do it by working through employers, by putting regulations on employers. Uh, but this was just a constitutional end run. I don't think the federal government has the authority to order anybody to put on any mask or to do anything else. I think the role of the federal government should be to inform people, to educate people, and to give them the opportunity to make their own best judgment about their lives. That's what it means to have a nation and, and live in a nation of individual liberty. And so when they start talking about um, local governments, bringing masks back and putting them on children, I mean, Andrew, the, 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 the damage to our country has been immense. And I think we may not fully understand it for who knows how long. Um, the myocarditis problems and the young people, the young athletes who received that shot dropping dead, um, the psychological impact of having young children wearing masks and being made afraid and not being able to see the faces of their young friends and their teachers and, and, and the lockdowns, the isolation. I mean, we've got all kinds of problems that are, are resulting from all of this stuff, and by, which, by the way, we now know it wasn't scientific at all, and it didn't work. The masks do not prevent the spread of COVID. Even the six-foot distancing does not prevent the spread of COVID. That the best thing we could have done would have been to let individuals make their own decisions uh, and allow natural immunity and therapeutics to do their proper job I mean, Andrew, I, my wife and I have not had the shot. We're supposed to be in the most vulnerable age group. Mm -hmm. We didn't get the shot. We did get COVID back in November of 2020. It was a mild case of it. We were over it in a few days. We've gone on with our lives. But we have relatives who got the shot who've had it three and four times. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, enough of this, this unconstitutional uh, imposition of all of these rules and regulations on the American people. Again, if I were president, I would allow none of it. Man, I think that's great. We've still got some open lines, 719-619-2341. Right before we go back to one of our callers, let me ask you about election integrity. This is another hot issue. And do you think that the 2020 elections were accurate? And if not, how do we solve this problem? Where do we go? No, I, I think that the 2020 election was at best skewed, at worst stolen, uh, and there are several bases for that. It, that's not a conspiracy theory. There's plenty of evidence. The drop boxes that were brand new and were, were not properly monitored, guarded, secured, um, the, the ballot harvesting, ballots being collected by individuals and turned in en masse, the universal mail-in ballots, where people who weren't even registered voters were mailing ballots in, the stopping and starting of counting of ballots and, and the inexplicable um, appearance of ballots that nobody had seen before, uh, the hiding of the Hunter Biden story, which now polls tell us 
would have changed the vote significantly and would have made a big difference in how people voted had they known about Biden and his son Hunter's corruption. So there are lots of reasons why that election was not fair. Now, what we got to do, Andrew, we've got to figure out how to make these elections uh, possible to, to, so that every American, regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum, trusts the outcome. And right now, we are, we are in a position where half the American people don't even trust the elections anymore. I mean, that's, that's a very dangerous place to be because in third world countries where elections cannot be relied upon, you know how they get resolved. They get resolved with violence. Mm -hmm. We don't want that in our country. So as president, you can't control state, how states run their elections. But I would say this, I would have the Justice Department investigate any state or any locality that was engaging in behavior that was potentially denying an American the right to have their vote properly counted. Because I, that's a constitutional right that the federal government has a right to enforce. We don't have a right to control how elections happen, but we do have a right to step in, the federal government does, to step in where you see the rights of Americans being violated and the right to vote is one of the most fundamental rights that we have. And so I would put the attorney general's office in general on protecting and defending the constitutional liberties of the American people rather than attacking them when they try to exercise those liberties. Like when parents go to schools and say, we don't want you teaching our children CRT. We don't want you teaching our children all this transgender ideology. Oh, let's mark them down as domestic terrorists. Let's investigate them. They're dangerous. No, what they should be doing is investigating the school board that is imposing this stuff on people, Amen. and they should be protecting the rights of parents to speak up, and they should be doing likewise with the ultimate right to speak up, in a sense, which is our right to vote. So this brings up a related thing to something that you said. How about the weaponization of the DOJ, the FBI, the CIA? It seems like that they have become political instead of independent. What's your opinion there? Uh, 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 Andrew, it doesn't seem like it. It's happened. When 51 agencies, intelligence agencies, and representative of, uh, representatives of intelligence agencies sign a letter that is a lie, which is that the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian disinformation, you know that our intelligence apparatus has become corrupted. Not, I mean, not one person said, well, wait, wait, do we have evidence for this? Do we know this to be a fact? They didn't care because they were too busy trying to impact the outcome of the election. And so what we've got to do and what I would do as president is I've said I would appoint uh, an attorney general like uh, Matt Staver, who would, in fact, Matt Staver was honored at, uh, at the Truth and Liberty um, mm -hmm. event that you had not too long ago. Yep. Uh, but I would appoint an attorney general who would understand that your job is to make sure that the Justice Department is enforcing the laws without pride or prejudice or bias based upon politics or anything else, that you're not going to persecute people because they disagree. Say, for example, if I were president, I would say to the attorney general, don't you dare allow anyone to go after somebody because they don't agree with me. That's not the purpose of our criminal justice system and our laws. We go after people because they violated the law and for no other reason. Uh, because this, here again, when the voting can't be trusted and the criminal justice system can't be trusted, Andrew, 
that leads to some very dangerous consequences. It's like a third world country. Yep. So let's go to Sean in North Carolina. You're on Truth and Liberty with Andrew and Bishop E.W. Jackson. Uh, Hello, Sean. Andrew. Yes, sir. Hi, Sean. Um, so so um, I feel like every generation has had their um, feelings that they were living in the last days. And um, I'm just wondering, um, do, do you, and this question is for either of you, but especially you, Bishop, um, since you're going to be running in these elections, do you feel like uh, the Antichrist is at hand and will he play any part or is he playing any part in these elections now and um, in politics to come? Well, Sean, I, I, it would be sheer speculation to talk about whether the Antichrist, as the personality that we know will emerge in, in, the, in the last days and the Great Tribulation, um, is playing any role. But I can say this definitively, and I'm sure Andrew will echo this, the spirit of Antichrist, Amen. the Bible says, is already at work. Um, and I believe has been, of course, since Jesus Christ ascended back to heaven, but that activity is accelerating now. And in fact, I dare say, I've said this before, and again, this is one of those statements that people don't really like, but I believe it's true. I believe that the Democrat Party is, this, is, is operating in the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. Because it seems like everything that's biblical and godly, they oppose. I mean, I remember Jerry Nadler, who was then chairman of the Judiciary Committee, when Representative Stubbe read from the scripture about what it says about cross-dressing, and Nadler's response was, what anybody says is the will of God is of no interest to this body, has no place on the floor of Congress. I mean, what? what? I guess he doesn't know anything about our history, because yeah. what God has to say has been a part of every institution of government from the very beginning. So, you know, that's the spirit of anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Christianity that is alive and well. Uh, and is, I, in my view, all the stuff that we're seeing uh, is, is, is indicative of the spirit of anti-Christ activity. Very good. Let's go to Jennifer in New Jersey. You're on Truth and Liberty Live. Call in with Bishop Jackson and Andrew. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, question, are you for term limits for Congress? And also, what are your thoughts about those in Congress who seem to really be struggling mentally? <laughs> I don't want to say names, but I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, know, we know who they are. I mean, and the Republican and Democrat, Fetterman and McConnell, and obviously the President of the United States and uh, Dianne Feinstein. Uh, and we, we wish these people no ill will. I mean, we, we pray for their healing and their health and their wholeness. Um, so uh, I, I really believe this, that the American people have got to decide that when a person is no longer fit for office and not vote them in. I mean, we've known that Fetterman wasn't well. Um, and so it's time for these folks to go. You, one would think that they would have, the, the, frankly, the dignity to say, you know what, I'm not healthy anymore. It's time for me to step down. But the reason that they don't is power means more to them than anything else. And you would think that there'd be people around them who love them, who say, look, we, we don't want you living out these years 
struggling to try to do a job that you're no longer capable of doing. Let's get you home. Let's get you whole. Let's get you well. Enjoy your life. And But the, no, holding on to power is all that matters. And so bringing me to term limits, I am absolutely supportive of term limits. Now, here's my only proviso. And by the way, you can quibble over the numbers, but I would say um, eight to 12 years in the Congress um, and, and uh, 12 to 18 years in the Senate, I prefer the lower number. Here's the only little proviso, the deep state. And, and I think that it, there is a valid point to be made. If you force a turnover in the Congress, you better do something about the bureaucracy because if you don't, your elected representatives will be practically clueless and powerless, while the bureaucrats who are there a decade, two decades, three decades, Fauci was in his position for 50 years. They will run the show. And that's practically what happened with COVID and why, in my view, so many people lost their lives who didn't have to, uh, including things like shutting people into nursing homes and not allowing their family to even be with them and having them die alone while their family stood outside weeping because they weren't allowed in the place. I mean, some of these policies were absolutely monstrous. You know, Bishop Jackson, we had uh, Dr. Ben Carson on our Truth and Liberty, and we asked him, uh, one of the callers asked him a similar question about deep state and said, was there a deep state? And his answer was that the deep state came to him and said, we were here long before you got here. We will be here long after you leave. And he said, it is entrenched. And he literally was at a loss of how do you get rid of this? It seems to be everywhere, pervasive. It is. And uh, look, you know, um, I believe it was, uh, oh, I forget which, which president ushered in civil service reform. It might have been Garfield, one of the lesser known presidents that ushered in civil service reform. And everybody thought it was a great thing because, you know, up until that time, the, the principle was to the victor go the spoils. In other words, the, the federal government was populated by the president who was in charge at that time, who hired people to fill the various positions. They came up with civil service thinking that, well, this will get the politics out of it. It didn't. In fact, it entrenched these bureaucrats more deeply than they ever would have before. I think we've got to have more turnover in the federal government, more appointments, which used to say, well, that's, that's more political. Yeah, but when the president goes, that person then goes, and new fresh blood comes in. Um, I, I just think you're right. 30, 40, 50 years in a, bureau uh, a bureaucracy, uh, accumulating power, and that is what they do. They accumulate power. They use their expertise to garner more and more influence and control. I mean, part of the reason why Fauci was so powerful and almost untouchable was that he was in control of literally billions of dollars of grant money going to doctors and healthcare and medical institutions around the country, and they were afraid to ever even contradict anything that Anthony Fauci said. That's because he was there too long and it accumulated too much power. Man, that's awesome. All right, thank you, Jennifer. Let's go to Peter all the way from California. You are on Truth and Liberty with Bishop Jackson and Andrew Womack. 
God bless you, Bishop. If my wife and I could vote today, we would vote you in right now. <laughs> Thank you, question, sir. Yeah. Asking the question, um, since there might be an attempt to keep you out of the political process, would it be possible to have a writing uh, your name right from the beginning and keep it consistent to the end? so that we can sidestep this uh, shenanigans and have you get in there just purely on a millions and millions of uh, riding votes. Well, uh, first of all, thank you so much for uh, having that kind of confidence in me, and I, I really do appreciate it. Um, you know what? You're the second person, I think, in the last couple of days to suggest that to say, you know, bypass the system, have people write your name in. Uh, of course, it's always possible to write in a candidate's name. People can do that. Um, most of the time, it's very impractical because you've got to reach a lot of people to get them to do that. But I tell you, it's an idea worth contemplating. So thank you for raising it for me again. Thank you, Peter. You know, uh, one of the mistakes, E.W., that I think that Trump made is when he came in to the White House, he basically kept all of the staff, White yep. House staff and a lot of people. And I, I think that if he if he was the one who become president again, I don't think he'd make that mistake again. What would you do? This goes along with your uh, answer about term limits and and the deep state stuff like that. How would you deal with that and turnover? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, uh, needless to say, if he weren't gone already, uh, the president attorney general would be out the door immediately. Uh, Eric Ray would be out the door immediately, because I think one of the top priorities is to get our criminal justice system back on track to actually enforcing the law rather than being seen as sort of an extension of politics, which makes people have no confidence in it whatsoever. Somebody asked me not too long ago, they said, Given all the indictments against the former president, uh, why isn't that hurting him? And I said it's because people don't have confidence in the process anymore. They don't believe that it reflects any true reality of what is going on. They think it's strictly politics. We can't have that for our criminal justice system. So those people would be gone. And then every other appointee, obviously, and that includes, by the way, U.S. attorneys appointed by Biden, would be gone immediately. And you're right. I think one of the big mistakes a president can make is to not immediately put his own blueprint, if you will, on every agency that he can. Now, my understanding is that part of the problem is gearing up to do that can take time. And you've got to start preparing for that the moment you get elected. You've got to get your transition going and be ready to fill those positions as quickly as possible. If people recall, uh, President Trump had a hard time. It took him a long time to fill some of those positions. And some of the appointments that he made ultimately, like Secretary of State, he ended up regretting uh, and, and had to, to move people pretty quickly within the first year in order to get somebody in who was more compatible with him ideologically. So what is this? Uh, this leads me to ask, and what do you think about the January 6th uh, indictments against Trump? Did he lead an insurrection? What would be your take on that? 
Uh, absolutely not. I think the, the notion that that was a, an insurrection is preposterous. Now, were there, were there people who might have, in their own delusions, thought that? Maybe there were. But we're a nation of 333 million people, and we've got three branches of government, the executive, the legislature, the judiciary, going in and interrupting one process in the legislative branch is hardly an overthrow of the government. <laughs> Look, do I support what they did? No, I don't. I think, I think it was the wrong way to, to go about it. Do I support uh, having gone into the Capitol and it destroyed any property or anything? No, I don't support that. But the notion that this was an insurrection, I mean, they gave one of the head uh, leaders of the Proud Boys 22 years in federal prison, and he wasn't even in Washington, D.C. He was in Baltimore, they said, but he was directing things. I, I think this is complete overreaction and overreach, and once again, politics. And by the way, as president, I would consider a lot of those people, of course, I'd look at it on a case-by-case -case basis, but a lot of those people for pardons, because I really believe that this is politics rather than the criminal justice system doing what it's supposed to do. So if I don't believe the people that they've got locked up and the people that they've convicted in many cases were engaged in insurrection, I certainly don't believe that President Trump was engaged in insurrection. Was he maybe reacting unwisely in some cases and saying some things that were unwise to say? Yeah, probably so. Not the first time he's done it. But was he engaged in an insurrection, an attempt to somehow overthrow the American government or overthrow the election? No. I think what he wanted was a, 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 a clear accounting of what actually happened in these states where there were controversies. And there's nothing wrong with him having wanted that. I mean, Stacey Abrams claimed that her election was not mm -hmm. legitimate. I mean, was she lost? Uh, she claimed that. Hillary Clinton claimed when she lost, it was not legitimate. Claiming that an election is not legitimate, is not a crime. I mean, you have a right to believe that. And then you have a right to go about trying to prove that. And I think that's what he was trying to do and probably did it inartfully and unwisely in some ways. But I don't think there's anything there that approaches criminality. You know, I remember when he encouraged people to come to Washington, D.C. on January the 6th in protest. I told Jamie, my wife, I said, man, that is a recipe for disaster because Antifa and all of these people take mobs and whoop them into frenzies and do yep. things. And I didn't anticipate exactly what happened, but I knew it was potential for a lot of problems. So like you, I don't think it was insurrection. I just think it was not a wise move, which President Trump has made a number of not so wise moves. We've only got three and, and Andrew, minutes. Andrew, can, yeah. can we point out really quickly, all the riots, 700 riots in 2020, and nobody talked about an insurrection. Yeah. We've only got three minutes left, Bishop. Would you please once again give uh, how they could get in touch with you? You've got books, uh, how they could support you, what you would like to say in these last three minutes. Please go to my website, ewjacksonforpresident.com. And first of all, again, pray for me. And I don't take that lightly because prayer can produce resources. Resources are no substitute for prayer. Please give, give whatever you can. If you can't max out, give what you can. $20.24 is what we're asking, but you can give less, you can give more. 
um, and please talk to people and, and encourage people to support my candidacy and to give me an opportunity for my voice to be heard. Uh, you can get a copy of my book wherever books are sold. You can also get them on my website, ewjacksonforpresident.com. You can get them on our stand website. That's our 501c3, which has nothing to do with the campaign. That's a separate matter. Uh, and you can get them at our our um, our publisher's website, which is faithfultext.com. There you get a 15% discount. We, we really need your volunteer support in Iowa. Anybody in Iowa watching me right now, sign up to be uh, a caucus goer for the E.W. Jackson campaign. On January the 15th, we're going to be looking for caucus goers to help us win in Iowa. And so if they go to your website uh, and they're in, from Iowa, can they sign up there or how do they do that? Yes, sir. They go to the website. They can sign up. Uh, first of all, they can just sign up as a volunteer and indicate that. Uh, I don't know whether it's on there yet, but we've also got a special box we're putting on for Iowa caucus goers. Well, E.W., man, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed hearing all. I know you, and I knew pretty much where you stood, but you've said it really well. It's awesome. And I'm Thank sure you, that, Andrew. I'm sure that a lot of our viewers, man, are excited about what you're doing. I'm believing you're going to get in these debates. Man, it would be wonderful to have you share these things on a national format. That'd be great. Praise God. I believe in God for it, Andrew. My, my faith is on it, brother. <laughs> all right. Well, we love you, brother. And thank love all you of too. you for watching. And please go check it out, ewjacksonforpresident.com. You can go there. You can get more information. You can sign up and you can also become a part of his campaign, and uh, I know that it just takes a huge amount of money, millions of dollars, to get out the advertisement and do the things, especially if the networks aren't going to give him any airtime. So we need people to support that. Go to ewjacksonforpresident.com, and uh, I believe that'll be a blessing to him. So thank you for joining us. We'll see you again soon, Bishop. We'll have you back to see how things are going. We love you. Thank you, Andrew. God bless. All right. God bless y'all. Thank you for doing this. Remember, we do this every day at 3.30 Mountain Time, Truth and Liberty live call-in show. We would love to have you join us each weekday. God bless you. We'll see you again tomorrow. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.